We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Heads podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. As always, I'm here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, it's our first show since Game of Thrones came back on the air. How you feeling? Well, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but uh, you're one. Yeah, of them. I, I'm one of them, and you know, uh, I don't know exactly what I'm missing, but uh, I. I'm kind of glad I, I I don't watch the show just because I see how crazy it makes people, <laughs> and I and I see how crazy you are. So yeah, I I think I'm good. You you can't talk about how you don't want to watch something because it's gonna make you go crazy. Like we're doing a fucking Rams podcast. <laughs> well, that's 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 the only exception, you know. <laughs> Off to a good start. Already swore in the first minute 
of the podcast. Uh, I mean, look, recently this hasn't been driving us crazy since we started doing the podcast. I guess we started at a good time because the team is actually good, and that's always fun. But uh, not always, not, not always rosy weather for us Rams fans out here. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, we got we got a lot to talk about today. Um, we we will get to a lot of draft coverage next week, of course, week of the draft. But we kind of figured, you know, everybody's already getting their draft coverage from basically every other show on our network, any other Rams podcast you listen to. We're going to talk about some different stuff on this show. But before we do, don't forget, guys, if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes, if you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star review. Leave us a review. Let us know how you feel. Um, if you don't want to give us five stars... Let us know why, and we'll try to fix it. Uh, and, of course, check us out wherever else you're getting your podcast: SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, basically everywhere. If we're not anywhere you listen to your podcast, let us know, and we will get there. Um, and don't forget, you can find our podcast feed on Clutch Points. It's a great app uh, feeding you content from the NBA, NFL. And, of course, don't forget to check out our other shows, Rams Talk Radio and Rams Uncensored, who recently joined Twitter. So, if you want to, if you listen to the show, you want to follow them there, please do. But before we get into everything that we're going to talk about on this show, Johnny, we have to mention that voluntary workouts began this week, and Aaron Donald made his first appearance at a voluntary or mandatory team workout in I don't know what feels like since we're in St. Louis. I mean, how, how do you feel that Aaron's finally back and working out with the team? I, I think it was kind of a shock to him, too. It just didn't <laughs> feel quite natural. But, uh, you know, I all joking aside, I, I think it's a good thing just because it, it shows kind of his dedication and determination to succeed. I, I think he saw a taste of what could be a championship-caliber team and – he wants to put in the work to get even better. This this is exactly what you want to see in your star athlete. So uh, kudos to Aaron Donald for actually making it to any type of workout or practice. It, it's shocking, man. It, it's been so long, I'm sure. And, like, it's not even a thing where you're like, uh, sucks for him. He's got to work in the offseason. Yeah, this man has been working for the past two years when he's not here. You don't just – not show up to workouts for two years straight and then win back-to-back defensive player of the years. I mean, Donald's an MVP candidate this year, uh, one of the greatest single seasons for a defensive player in the history of the NFL, literally without playing or attending the preseason, not even just playing. You know, he showed up pretty late in the preseason last year. Um, But we're happy to have him back. Uh, It's only going to benefit him and the team to have him there all season. He'll probably finally be able to be a captain again. Because he hasn't been a captain in a couple of years because he hasn't been there. And uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that if he's in the locker room from day one at the kickoff of training camp, he's going to be a team captain. So it'll be nice to see that C back on his shirt where, you know, it probably belongs to be. And it's, I don't know, man, it's just nice to have everybody back in the building. You know, it's been a long couple of months without, you know, the Rams talking to us in a, official and professional way and it, it feels good to have him back yeah absolutely and i think in a way they kind of needed this too just because you know even though the rams made it to the super bowl had one hell of a year it was still 
a very disappointing Super Bowl. So that's kind of one of the things that's lingering in the back of their minds. You know, they didn't they didn't actually win the the final game, and so instead of kind of dwelling on it, I think it was a good idea to have these uh, voluntary workouts. You know, to come in and you know put that behind them and look forward to 2019 and hopefully uh that'll bring us you know another super bowl run so couldn't hurt to put in some extra work and you know get this team even more cohesive uh that for the most part it is a very similar team to the last year so um i i can only see them gelling uh, a little bit uh, aside from that though did you see how aaron donald rolled into camp I, the only thing I saw was his car doors were opening the wrong way. Uh, so I'm assuming he rolled in like a baller. Oh, yeah. I mean, that car, oh, my God. I, I mean, he he he's making enough money to, to have that kind of car. But, man, I, I think that's the kind of car any anybody can dream about. Yeah, it's good for him. As we all know, he or I don't know if everyone knows this, but he just committed a seven-figure donation to his alma mater, the University of Pittsburgh, which is uh, a lot of money, and it seems like he could swing it, and, and, you know, good for him giving back to his alma mater. You know, nobody has to donate money to anything, and uh, good, good for him. All right, but obviously the big story at camp and this whole offseason has been the health of Todd Gurley, and... We we got some insights from people in the situation, and I'm just gonna Johnny. I'm just gonna lay out some some quotes that I heard from camp and from uh, various interviews and whatnot, and we'll just talk about what everything means. We'll start with what Sean McVay said about Todd Gurley, and recently he went on the all all signs from what McVay has said in the couple of times he's talked over the past week or two has been. The team plans on featuring him heavily, just as they had the last few years. Nothing's going to change. He won the Rich Eisen show, which uh, if you search his appearance on there, you're going to find the video of him talking about Todd Gurley. He basically said that he fought through the pain in the Philadelphia game where he hurt his knee, and now as a result of that, he missed a couple games, and the team signed C.J. Anderson. We know the rest from there. In the playoffs, you know, it's easy to forget that he went out there and crushed Dallas, ran for 100 yards, but he did that. McVay mentioned it. New as of for New Orleans, the game where infamously we saw, you know, Gurley not on the field on the bike, walking on the sideline. They kept showing him. You know, McVay said that it was basically a result of how the game played out, uh, and he was impressed with you know how much of a pro he was in that and how much he handled how well he handled it. But it was basically a result of game flow and what CJ was doing and nothing. In Gurley's part, it was just the game flow. It wasn't his health. In the Super Bowl, McVay mentioned that Gurley did make some big-time runs. One got called back, but he was out there making some big plays, and he was really impressed with how he played. He said Gurley's not to be blamed for the Super Bowl, and McVay took the blame for on himself that he didn't prepare the team well enough or have the right game plan for that game, which I think we can all agree is probably accurate. Um, and... This was his quote on, you know, whether Malcolm Brown will have an increased role at training camp, and this is board for word. I think Todd has shown that he is capable of carrying the workload. We have a lot of confidence in Malcolm. For us, you have to be smart about that, but I think, like we talked about the other day, Todd is a guy that's been a focal point of this offense. He's going to continue to be. Really, what resulted in a two-back approach at the end of last year was because Gurley was forced to miss games at the end of the year, 
and want, but they wanted to be smart about it. Todd has shown that he could handle that. How we navigate through a season, it's hard to say, but we anticipate, like we said the other day, Gurley being the focal point of our offense. Unless I'm told otherwise, he's a pretty versatile back. We're going to continue to utilize all of his skill sets. Um, and so, but the team obviously didn't address any of these rumors directly. Uh, just talking about how they will continue to make Gurley the focal point in the future of the offense. When they asked Gurley about it directly about the arthritis rumors and his health and his knee, he said, I mean, all I can focus on is just how I'm doing it right now. I'm feeling pretty good, taking it day by day, and just trying to get better, get ready for the next season. So this, you know, McVay's comments about the playoff run, I think, echoed exactly what I said after the the Super Bowl and everything. And I'm not I'm not trying to take a victory lap here, but New or- the New Orleans game I really felt like was just game flow. Gurley came out poorly, played poorly in that game. And as a result of that, CJ was playing better. Gurley saw the pine for most of the game because – CJ's run blocking was valuable and you know he was just having a better game and game flow dictated that he should be on the field and it sucked for Gurley but it like McVay said he handled like professional uh Super Bowl I felt it was kind of the same thing I didn't think that his health was a huge factor in these games at the time I could be wrong on that but for whatever reason the Rams have not addressed any of this directly Uh, obviously they're saying he's gonna be the focal point but when a rumor like him having arthritis is out there, they're not shutting it down. Is kind of a red flag. Um, you know, they haven't directly said he's good. Even Gurley hasn't said like, "Yeah, I'm good." Like, obviously, you have to think that. And and I'll admit that I was wrong. This I didn't think he was injured. He he clearly wasn't at full strength, and he's clearly recovering from something. Um, I do. I think it's going to affect him as based on what McVay says. And how adamant they are that his role is going to be, you know, the same. And no, I, I don't think that this injury is going to be a huge deal. But at the same time, you can't sit here now and, you know, and I think I was partly wrong on this, is that because they're just, they're, both of them are still not answering head on, like, hey, is he healthy? I, something must be afoot, or even if something's not afoot, I think they're just, handling this poorly um and i i don't know man that's my read i'd love to hear your read it's it's definitely weird because this is something that if there really wasn't a problem they could just easily squash it and say money's good you know i kind of tweaked it a little bit but i'm fine uh but they chose not to they he could have said that um you know i i hurt myself but it's not arthritis but he didn't say that either so you're kind of you're you're kind of placing yourself in this awkward situation where it really doesn't need to be there either you have it or you don't and kind of my thoughts on it is it seems like it might be something a little bit more serious than we were hoping for but it doesn't exactly seem like it's going to really change much of anything because if Sean McVay's words are correct, saying that nothing's really going to change, he's going to be the feature back, he's going to be that star back, uh, he's, you know, then he's obviously on the road to recovery to the point where something like that isn't that, you know, 
isn't isn't really that much of a concern because you know if if that's the case if this is truly the case then um then at this point McVeigh will be like well we're looking at other options you know we'll see what we can do to reduce his load he straight up said that he will continue to be the bell cow essentially and yeah he also mentioned things like you know Malcolm Brown will be in there to help which he was last year too so that's nothing new either so this whole thing and I think this whole thing just kind of went south when that kind of anonymous report came uh from the Boston uh, I think it was the Boston Globe if I'm not mistaken I I know it was one of the uh it was definitely a Boston reporter I believe yeah so it went south there but then it what didn't help the situation also was when um, C.J. Anderson got interviewed. You know, C.J. kind of said that his injury was a little bit more serious than they initially thought. And, of course, when you have those two reports, you know, next to each other, you're kind of thinking the worst-case scenario. So I think that's kind of what's lighting uh, fuel to the flames. But in the end, I, I-, I think that this is going to be a I think we should look at look at it like this. We may not know the extent of Gurley's injury, but if McVeigh is confident that Gurley can continue to be Todd Gurley, then it's obviously not arthritis. Because if that's the case, there's no way a guy with arthritis, can continue to do what Todd Gurley did last season. No way. Well, I I think, I mean, it's tough. We don't know the severity. I mean, it could be mild arthritis and it could be manageable. And, no, in the short term, it, it could not affect his play at all next year, if that's what it is. In the short term, they could manage it fine. I mean, long term, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a factor later in his contract. That's what it is gonna be a factor. But um, no, he will be in a shitload of pain if that's what he has. But he, he could still go out there and produce. Um, obviously, you'd like to see his practice workload lightened a lot if that's what he has. Um, I'd say I don't want to see him in the preseason, but we're not gonna anyways. I'd almost bet money that he doesn't play a snap in the preseason because they he didn't last year and we went to the Super Bowl. So why why even bother? But it's just, man, it's it's weird. It's weird that they're not acknowledging, you know, they're not saying anything about it, which makes me think there's something going on. You know, I don't think it was a factor in him not playing in the playoffs. I, I will stand by that. Um, it clearly, I will defend my stance on that Saints game because I think I'm right. And McVay's comments made me feel more right. But, you know, obviously there's got to be something, something going on. I don't know what. Because they won't tell us what, but it's just, it's weird, man. It's it's a bizarre situation for sure, and I'm not. Um, I don't know why they're choosing it to handle it this way, but yeah, it is what it is, I guess. Um, Do you call this knee gate? <laughs> I'm sure people already have. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. <laughs> it, it's it's um. It's strange. It's there's no other way to put it. And we, if he was hurt in the postseason, 
he ran for over 100 yards against the Cowboys, and that was the earliest game in the postseason. So uh, and he can do it. He can play hurt. It's as simple as that if that's the case. Uh, the, the Saints game was a fluke and a result of having another really good running back in the backfield with him. And the Super Bowl was just a bad game playing all around. You know, I'm not – I don't have any really additional thoughts on that. I will say funny quote from uh, Gurley on the situation. They asked him about his reaction to the Rams matching Malcolm Brown's restrictive free agent offer. And he said, I was happy. Malcolm's my boy. We came in together same year. But then he joked that he wished the team would have paid him a little bit more money. And then said, but that's neither here nor there. I just got to speak up for my boy. I'm super happy he's back, though. So I'm sure people will twist that into Gurley's hurt and wanted his own insurance plan, right? And wanted it to be for more money. Well, I mean, these these two are both, you know, no no uh, stranger to injuries. <laughs> so, I mean, Malcolm Brown's just coming off of a you know, freak injury this past season. So there's that. But, yep. um, you know... As far as those comments go, I, I kind of give give it up to Todd Gurley because, you know, in a lot of ways, the Detroit Lions kind of screwed Malcolm Brown over, you know, because I'm more than certain that if they hadn't offered him anything, that the Rams probably would have given him a little bit more money. Maybe not a whole lot, but, you know, a little bit more. But as far as the comments go... You know, you, you got to I, I will give credit there just because he is a guy looking out for, you know, a teammate, a good friend. And that's that's something you, you want to see in teammates, uh, even if it is somewhat against, you know, the Rams front office. But, you know, hey, uh, these these are two guys that entered the league at the same time. And, uh, you know, they're still on the same team. So, um I do think Malcolm Brown is a little bit underpaid, but I guess it's kind of a good thing for the Rams in this case. Yeah, it's it is weird because um I guess he got the extra year on the contract, but it's not really guaranteed. And I, I you know, it's about a next year is like one point one five million, it looks like if I'm reading over the cap right. So <laughs> I think the Rams would be pretty foolish to turn that down i think you could expect malcolm brown to be here for two more years barring anything crazy so it's be a weird setback for him but hey man running back is a weird position in the nfl the players are not typically getting a lot of money as we've seen it's it's kind of a top heavy market guys like Le'Veon bell and Gurley are going to get theirs but the lower end guys there's not a lot of money out there for backup running back because you really could just go draft one and Got some teams don't even rely on paying running backs. I mean, you look at the Steelers, you look at, um, you know, the Saints didn't want to retain Mark Ingram. Teams are just not willing to throw that money out there. And I, I can't really blame them for taking the second year, but I think he just wanted that guaranteed money. We will talk more about restricted free agents, but before we do, guys, most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn a bit more about the Rams' history, a bit more personal touch, check out Jim's Hawk book, Hollywood's team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. I know I wanted to learn more about this. I'm reading it now. It's a great story. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams who lends to Jim's dad, John the Hooker, who was an awesome lineman for the team from 1953-1957. I just read the chapter about the 1955 NFL championship game 
uh, where the Rams faced off against Cleveland Cleveland Browns. It was a great, great read. And this whole book in general has been a great read, guys. You're checking out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You're going to learn about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Lectures, Les Richter, Tom Fears, even Bob Waterfield. Guys, these are Rams legends from the 1950s LA Rams. You can find a Hawks book online at HollywoodSteam.com and on Twitter at HollywoodSteam. It's available in both hardback and electronic form at Barnes & Noble and Amazon. And, of course, you can find this book through various other books I on the Internet. If you'd rather have a paperback, you're going to wait till September. It's coming out then. Uh, we hope you'll be able to grab a copy if that's why you're waiting to buy this. If not, the hardback is beautiful. It's an, It feels awesome in your hands. It's a, it's a very nice book. Uh, it's worth picking up, guys. This book is worth every penny for any Rams fan out there. And it's really just a great story about a person's father and the legacy left behind. And of course, the city of Los Angeles in the 1950s. Trust me, guys, you won't regret it. Hollywood's team, Brit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It is well worth your time. All right, let's touch on these restricted free agent signings. Uh, guys that signed their tender and reported Blake Countess, JoJo Natson, Morgan Fox, Dominique Hatfield, Daryl Hodge, and Kevin Peterson. Uh, they all signed their tenders. Notable absences are Troy Hill, whose number 32 was worn by Eric Weddle at camp or at the workouts, and Corey Littleton, who obviously had the second round tender. Uh, any Anything to take away from this? I mean, for Littleton, I guess it kind of makes sense. This is. <clears throat> Uh, excuse me. Uh, this is this is kind of one of the tricky parts of being a restricted free agent. Littleton is not going to get the money that he probably would have if he was uh, just an unrestricted free agent. And as far as Troy Hill is concerned, I don't really understand it just because he might get a little bit more money, but I doubt he'd get that much more. So if Hill doesn't isn't happy with it, I'd be okay with him walking just because I feel like at this point you're better off looking at a cornerback prospect in that case. Um, you know, no, no no disrespect to Hill, but <laughs> no. Uh we all know how I feel on, on Hill. <laughs> yeah, it, it's um we'll see what happens with him. They um, Sean McVay did mention that Corey Littleton communicated to them that something was going on, so that's why he wasn't at camp. Uh, I wonder if that has anything to do with the contract or not. But you know, because he has a second round tender, and if nothing's happened by now, you you got to expect he's back. Uh, it doesn't seem like anyone's going to offer him. Hill Hill might be holding out for an offer because you know all the Rams can do is match it. There's um, there's no there's no draft pick in there, so we'll see what happens. We'll see if the Rams would match it, but uh, there's not a ton of, not of news here. Uh, Dante Fowler and Marcus Peters aren't also weren't at camp, but uh, like Littleton, they commuted very early, and no reason to expect anything different from them. Uh, uh, free agency news: the Rams added AFQB John Wolford. So, Johnny, my question is, how quickly is he relegated to the practice squad or cut? Uh, I suppose it just depends on how how well he does. I mean, I, I could see him being a practice squad guy. I mean, this is uh, – I don't know if you know a whole lot on Wolford, but uh, Wolford did 
fairly well in the AF and and my opinion he was probably the second best quarterback in in the league um behind Garrett Gilbert well believe it or not but um <laughs> another former yeah, ran uh, yeah um that's kind of uh, interesting but uh Wolford he has a lot of talent um but obviously he's not going to beat out Blake Bortles and if he does says a lot more about Bortles than it does Wolford but um yeah, as far as Wolford is concerned, if they want to do three quarterbacks on the roster, which they haven't really done, it wouldn't surprise me too much, I guess. But um, I, I think he's just going to be basically a camp body and maybe uh, get some reps in on preseason. But yeah, we, we can we can just expect Goff and, and Bortles to be on the roster. Uh, this upcoming season, and I think they probably part ways with them right before the season begins. Did you know Brandon Allen's on the roster? Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't even Allen, I didn't even know we brought him back. Yeah, basically, Brandon Allen is just an, he's basically what Wolford is going to be here for. Just you know, practice squad, and then off and being cut. That's just kind of Brendan Allen's role in the past what two years yeah I don't even think he was practice squad yeah no I I love watching new guys play I'd much rather watch John Wolford than Brandon Allen because he at least adds something new something different but it when you bring in a quarterback as qualified as Blake Bortles to be a backup unless Wolford absolutely lights it up in the preseason I, I don't think you keep three quarterbacks. It It's just you have other positions you need depth at. If something happens to Goff, Blake Bortles is going to come in and play. He's going to be the starter. It's not really a debate. And as, as dumb as this sounds, Johnny Hecker as your emergency quarterback, if they both get hurt in the same game, you know, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. You could do worse. So I, I don't think they keep three, three quarterbacks. But we'll see. Uh, I'm excited to watch him in the preseason because you know, I don't think Goff's really going to play, so he'll definitely get some reps out there. Um, hopefully more reps than Brandon Allen, who I'm surprised is on the team. Speaking of quarterbacks, we do have to touch on this big news in the NFC West. Russell Wilson signed a massive four-year, $140 million contract extension. He's got one year left on his deal, so he'll be with Seattle for the next five years. There's a no-trade clause in it, so he ain't going anywhere. Um, thirty-five million per year. How, what do you what do you making of this contract? It, it's basically coming to the point where uh, quarterbacks, especially you know the upper echelon quarterbacks, are making it almost a competition. Where, well, I did one hell of a good job for you, so I deserve the top contract, or at least close to it. And that's basically what you're seeing with Russell Wilson. Not that the guy didn't deserve it or anything, because he's obviously a big part of the reason why the Seahawks have seen, you know, some success in the past and even the moderate success that they saw last season. So um, I don't blame them for wanting to pay him, but it just kind of makes me nervous uh, just seeing what happens with Jared Goff this coming season 
just because now um, if Jared Goff has another hell of a good season, then you're basically at the point where it's like, how much is it reasonable to actually keep Jared Goff? And that's kind of the interesting part of this whole debate here, because now Russell Wilson kind of raised the bar, uh, which it was already kind of risen. I mean, we knew he was going to get paid. We were kind of anticipating somewhere around the $30 million mark, but uh, 35 was a little bit higher than I was expecting. Uh, what do you think, Steve? I it's I expected him to get to get the bag, uh, and they're going to back the truck up to Goff's house too as well. I don't think Goff gets more than Wilson. I, I think I, I would still say he gets around 30. I don't know if it's going to be 30 exactly, but I mean, Kirk Cousins gets 28, Matt Ryan gets 30, this is annually, and I think uh, Goff probably gets like 30. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are the only people above Matt Ryan, and we are talking about Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, so like, I don't think that, like, I think if Goff walks in the room and demands, like, I want to get more money than Russell Wilson, the Rams will be like, no, but we'll give you this. Uh, he's he's going to get a ton of money. I, I think this might have raised the bar, but I think in terms of Goff, who's still really young, even if he has another killer season, I don't necessarily think that he has to get more than Russell Wilson. I think that it, it's still going to be a ton of money. It's still going to destroy our cap, but I don't think it has to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. And I could be wrong, but I don't know. Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl by the time he got his first contract extension. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's been for a long time. He's played it behind some absolutely awful offensive lines and has still been able to lift that team to a playoff spot. Uh, at times, even winning playoff games, he's he's. I said it last week. He's probably the most important player in the history of their franchise. You don't let that guy walk. It sends a bad message. It's silly. Uh, you already are dealing with the repercussions of the Earl Thomas situation. This makes it a little better. And you know. I I don't feel great about him sticking around for another couple of years, but I I think it was the right choice. But I think the the only implication on of this on Jared Goss contract is that he's going to get paid a ton of money, which I think we've been saying. Um, you can there people make the case that it's not worth paying a quarterback that much money. I wholeheartedly disagree. It's better to have the guy, even if you're paying him a ton of money, than to have to redevelop the guy when you're in a championship window like we're going to be, hopefully for the next couple years, and hopefully he's a big part of that. But he's going to get a lot of money. Russell Wilson got a ton of money. I don't necessarily think that he has to get more than Russell, and I don't think he will, but he's going to be in the top five, probably top three highest-paid quarterbacks once he inks that extension. Okay. What else we got? Um, I have other stuff. The Rams, uh, this is a quote from Les Need about Joseph Noteboom, the team, uh, while, okay, I'll just read the quote. Joe would be the heir apparent at this particular time in reference to Roger Saffel's guard spot. Now, you could go into the draft and all of a sudden you draft a guard at 31. Maybe that's the starter and Joe's the third tackle, which is still very valuable. That's a quote from Les Need. Uh, this is... I don't, <laughs> this is a pretty safe quote, but what do you what do you think? Does, do you think this gives any indication that they w- will take a guard at thirty one, or you think he's just you know covering all his bases? 
I think in this case is covering all his bases just because he really he he basically sounded like a politician here where he basically says all of the keywords but he doesn't exactly say anything and that's really what he did he's like well yeah he could start at guard but we could also draft a guard he could also be a backup tackle (laughs) so really what what the hell do you get from that nothing and you know in a way that's kind of a good thing that they're keeping their options open i guess if there's anything you get from that it's that they're keeping their options open and and uh I, I kind of want to see that, you know, if there is a guard that they fall in love with, it, it, especially with the 31st overall pick, that they go ahead and take him. My only concern for that is if that happens, that would mean that they're preparing No Boom to basically take over, you know, uh, Whitworth's spot at left tackle. And we already know how I feel about no boom being a left tackle. I just don't think it makes much sense. You know, I have a lot of faith in this guy being a guard, but I I think him as a left tackle just terrifies me. It really does. I hope if it comes to that, I hope I'm proven wrong and I will gladly eat my fair share of crow. But, um, yeah, I, I just think, um, in this case, if we do go after a lineman with the 31st overall pick, I'm thinking it's probably geared more towards center. But then there goes the debate with Brian Allen as well. So there's that. Um, but yeah, that's if you want to, if you're taking anything from that, I would just say, you know, keep they're keeping their options open. That's it. It's weird because you'd like to get a guy that's versatile, and you could say like maybe he'll be a center, maybe he'll be a guard, or maybe he'll be a tackle. But it's also like, don't you want a guy that's proven he could, that like you think you're going to drive him and be like, he's a center. He's going to be our starting center for a long time instead of taking a guy and you're like, well, maybe he's our guard, maybe he's our tackle. I don't know which is better. You know, it's, They both have their pros and cons, but it, it'll definitely be interesting to see if they do take a, a lineman. You know, I'm not as out on Joseph Noteboom being the starting left tackle for the future. You know, we're not going to be in a position to take an absolute stud top 10 at, at tackle because uh, hopefully we're not. Hopefully we're not the Jaguars, but you, know, you never know. I, I don't think we'll be in that position, and that means that you have to kind of rely on late first-round picks if you're going to get a tackle or go out and sign another Andrew Whitworth-type guy, and we'll see how that'll work with the salary cap. That will be nice. If we could get Whitworth 2.0, but I don't know if that's realistic. Another positional story we got here, Michael Brockers, when they asked him about moving to nose tackle with the departure of Sue, instead of staying at the end, he said, I've kind of gotten comfortable playing defensive end. I like playing that position, but if it happens that I have to play nose, I'll do that too. I told them whatever I can do for this team, I'll do it. So I think that's the most important thing. You know, as we expect from our team captain, right? Basically, and that's that's what he what he was saying is that you know I'll do whatever it takes for this team to succeed. Although I I don't know if I like Rockers at a defensive end. I, I think he is better in 
in an interior, but more on a four three. I'm gonna be hundred percent honest. But um, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, that's if I mean this draft will basically tell us a lot what's gonna happen. You know, with a lot of these guys, Brockers being one of them. You know, if the Rams really feel like, well, maybe Brockers would be better on, as a defensive end with a true nose tackle there. Say they go out and draft like a guy like Dexter Lawrence and he becomes, you know, the solidified nose tackle for the next couple of years, then maybe he continues to improve at that spot. Hard to say, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm a little uncomfortable with him playing at defensive end, but I, we'll see. Uh, I, I think he'd be better in in, in the interior, but uh, yeah, that, that that one's tough. Again, I, I think Brockers is more suited for a four three defense. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you got anything else on that? No, no, not really. Honestly, uh, I know that's not great podcasting here, but. I don't know, man. He, he was making $10 million next year. He wasn't really worth it last year. I hope – I want him to be in a position where he's comfortable, so I would like him at the end. But uh, he's a guy that we're going to need him to step it, step up. Uh, we're going to need a big-time performance next year to justify keeping him on the books because he's taking up a lot of cap. And money that could have been used to keep Roger Saffold, money that could have been used to – Get a new linebacker. Get another. Well, I guess we already got our edge rusher. Get a new lineman. I don't know. We he he's gonna have a lot of pressure last year. If it might be his last season as a Ram, remains to be seen. But ah, hey, he's I agree. He's better suited for a four three. And if he leaves us after the season, I hope he finds greener pastures or he could do that. All right. I think. What? Let let's let's go to this. Um, the draft is in a couple days next week. We're going to focus on the draft pretty heavily next week. Hopefully we'll get a, a draft expert to come on and talk with us. But what at 31, what would you like to see the Rams do either? What position would you like to see them draft or do you want them to trade back? Uh, it, I guess it's kind of depends, um, you know who's available at pick 31 and it that it's not like you know in the earlier rounds where you know it, I, you can almost tell who who's gonna fall and who's not this i mean anything can happen at pick 31 and you either fall in love with the picks or you don't and depending on who's selected I would say go ahead and trade back if there's no one that you're that you're crazy about or if you can, you know, trade into the second round and feel like you could still get the guy or at least a couple of guys you're targeting. Uh, as far as who I'd want or what what position I'd want, I really would like to to get a nose tackle. And I I've kind of said it uh in a previous podcast, but my my Main choice here, I would love to get Dexter Lawrence from Clemson, who's a true nose tackle. If we could get him at 31 and then, again, moving over uh, Michael Brockers to defensive end or keeping him there, rather, 
I think we'd be all right. Uh, but I wouldn't oppose, you know, selecting an offensive lineman, you know, to to compete with Noteboom for a guard spot or maybe compete with Allen for a center spot. Someone like Eric McCoy, you know, I think that would be really cool. Safety, I, I really wouldn't want to keep a safety. I think that would just be kind of a luxury pick. And if the Rams didn't have so many needs, I I. You know, I just can't see selecting a safety at this point. Wouldn't be that heartbroken either, just because there are some talented safeties. But yeah, I I, I think my my top two positions, in my opinion, would be at nose tackle or at uh, offensive line. I I'm I'm with you. I I want if they're gonna make this pick, they need to draft somebody that's gonna start day one, or at least they expect to. And really, the positions available for that are nose tackle, inside linebacker, and O-line, guard or center. And if you can get a guy at this pick that chucks those, ticks those boxes, hell yeah, let's do it. Uh, I, I think I'd probably go nose tackle, line, linebacker, or border in importance. You know, I think we're weakest at linebacker, but we're pretty damn weak at linebacker last year and we went to the Super Bowl, so I don't think it's absolutely necessary that we grab somebody Um, the team it seems like they like Micah Kaiser I'm not sold yet but we'll see um and I yeah those are the top two if they I don't like they could take an edge rusher but at that point I think I'd rather move back and us and grab another pick um because you know this you gotta I want to get a starter here and if you're not gonna get a starter you get more depth Let's move back and get more depth. Take more swings at drafting a starter. This team has drafted fairly well defensively in the second and third rounds historically under Les Snead. Let's see him do it again. And that's that's where it stands. We'll we'll see how we feel next week. We'll probably make some predictions on who firm predictions on what we think the draft they'll do in the draft. But other than that, it's it's a shorter show for us, Johnny, but I, I think we can wrap it up there. You know, it's it's April. Uh we don't need to turning on our podcast i don't think nah i mean it it's okay i mean <laughs> we're all just counting down the days really till the, the at least the preseason begins so there's that yeah we'll uh we'll be coming up with some fun topics in may and june that's for sure but the next two weeks obviously will be draft focused and seeing where the Next week, we'll talk about who we think we're going to get, and the week after, we'll talk about where we see these pieces fitting in. And guys, if you have anything you want us to talk about during May, June, July, when uh, it's kind of the downtime of the season, hit us up. You know where to find us on Twitter. You can find me at Steve Ribeiro. I'm open for any questions, anything. Johnny, you can find him at johnny 5 not 6 You can find Rams Talk on Twitter at Talk Rams. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Rams Talk. And don't forget to follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, Spotify, and Clutch Points. For Johnny, Steve Ribeiro. Talk to you next week.
can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.